It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports on this beautiful Tuesday, August the 29th. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore Facebook Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Man, a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday in the house with your boy Trey Larkins. It's beautiful outside here in the Cincinnati area. Feels real good. It's not as humid. As it was last week, it was hot last week. I mean, 90s and up all week long. But this week, we got 80s. And this morning, when I walked outside, it was actually chilly. You could tell that we are transitioning from summer to fall. I know people say August is the hottest month of the year. It definitely was hot last week. But it's starting to definitely, definitely cool off. But we got an action jam-packed show this afternoon on your afternoon drive home. Remember, go on the Wise Guys Twitter page and vote. The Wise Guys question of the day, who is the greatest NBA point guard of all time? Is it Magic? Is it Steph? Give me your vote. It's the Wise Guys question of the day. I'm going to get into that a little later on in the show. Also, later on in the show, I'm going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They traded for Trey Lance. I'm going to talk about that and what it means for Dak Prescott, also the 49ers on their end, what the trade means for them as well. And also later on the show, Giannis it says, has some interesting comments about his future with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm also talking about that a little later on in the show as well. So the number to dial, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show this afternoon. Let's go to Philadelphia. Let's talk about NFC defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. As remember last year, the Philadelphia Eagles, they were the best team throughout the season last year in the NFC. They had a 14-3 record. Jim Hurts was a legitimate NFL MVP candidate. They had A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith on their offense. At tight end, they had Dallas Goddard. Defensively, they were a top five defensive unit last year, led by Brandon Graham. Also had Jalen Carter in their secondary. They had big play Darius Slay, James Bradbury. And so last year, the Philadelphia Eagles were a legit team in the NFC and arguably a top three team in the NFL last year. Jalen Hurts had a franchise record 43 combined passing and rushing touchdowns last season. I thought it was his best season of his career. Jalen Hurts was sensational last year. 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, over 3,700 passing yards. And I felt like we kind of could see this coming because in his first year at being able to have action on the field, Jalen Hurts only had six touchdowns, four interceptions, and that was the year where Carson Wentz, I believe, in 2020 was still in Philadelphia. He followed that up in 2021 with 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He led the Philadelphia Eagles 
to the playoffs. They got blew out that year by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that was the year when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. But last year, he had a breakout season. Breakout season, NFL MVP candidate. He was sensational last year. And they were great overall as a football team. But when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles overall and whether or not they're going to be able to duplicate success this year compared to what they did last year, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to go 14-3 and this year. Last year, we look at their schedule. They played the AFC South and the NFC North. In the AFC South, the best quarterback is Trevor Lawrence, but he's still young. He's still learning. I like his upside, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Trevor Lawrence necessarily elite yet. So they played quarterbacks in the AFC South like Ryan Tannehill, David Mills from the Texans, okay? Like, I, I wasn't really impressed last year with what they did as far as their schedule. Like, in the AFC South, you went up against quarterbacks like David Mills, Trevor Lawrence, who's, who is good, not great yet, not elite, but he's good, okay? And the Indianapolis Colts had and washed up Matt Ryan. So the, AF, the AFC South last year wasn't very good. Those, they played the AFC South last year. They also went up against the NFC North. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had one of the worst seasons of his career last year. So I don't really feel like the competition that the Eagles played last year is up to par when you compare it to what they're going to play against this year. This year, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to go up against the AFC East, Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. You got Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. You got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill with the Miami Dolphins. And you got Bill Belichick, who has a lot to prove. Since Tom Brady departed from New England, the Patriots haven't been very good. So Bill Belichick also has a lot to prove. And they're also going up against the NFC West this year. We know how great the 49ers are as an overall football team. The Rams should be better if Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup are healthy. And if Sean McVay can execute as a head coach this year compared to what he did last year. They wasn't very good last year, the, the LA Rams. So I expect the Rams to be better. I'm not so sure they're a playoff team, but I expect the Rams to be better. So I think the competition in 2023 is going to be significantly tougher for the Eagles compared to what it was in 2022. You look at Jalen Hurts last year. I thought he emerged as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Last year, this was his ranks. Last year, his total QBR was 66, fourth amongst quarterbacks. His passing yards per attempt was 8.0. That was ranked third amongst quarterbacks. He had 13 rushing touchdowns. That was ranked first amongst quarterbacks. So I thought Jalen Hurts emerged as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL last year. But I still got my questions about Jalen Hurts. I got questions about Jalen Hurts because I have to see Jalen Hurts do it for a second consecutive season for me to believe that he deserves to be in that conversation with Lamar Jackson, with Joe Burrow, with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not ready to put Jalen Hurts in that stratosphere 
quite yet. I need to see more from Jalen Hurts. I love what he was able to do. I love his story. They talk about how Jalen Hurts on his wallpaper, on his phone, he has the picture of him walking off the field with the confetti around him in the loss in the Super Bowl last year. So you know he's going to be motivated heading into this season. But I got my questions about the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost, lost both of their coordinators. And I thought last year, offensively and defensively, they were both top five units for the Philadelphia Eagles. But losing both of your coordinators is going to have an impact on your football team. Also last year, I thought that they were able to avoid the injuries. This team was healthy majority of the season last year. They were healthy for all 17 games during the regular season, besides when Jalen Hurts got injured for a, uh, for a while. But besides Jalen Hurts, majority of their team was healthy throughout the entire season. And then you look at their path last year to the Super Bowl. They played the Giants in the division around of the playoffs. I don't believe in Matt Jones. I don't believe in Matt Jones whatsoever. So to me, they basically got an easy. I, want, I know it's the NFL. I know people are going to say, like, what do you mean easy? To me, if in the, in the division around of the playoffs, with them having to face the Giants, to me, was even easier than them having to face the Minnesota Vikings. Because remember last year in the wild card round, the Giants beat the Vikings. I feel like Kirk Cousins and Jefferson would have been tougher for this Eagles football team. So they got Matt Jones in the division around. In the NFC Championship game, the 49ers didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback. Brock Purdy got injured. Josh Johnson came in. He got injured. At one point, Christian McCaffrey had to take snaps at the quarterback position for the 49ers. So the 49ers didn't have a quarterback in the NFC Championship game. I was so excited heading into the NFC Championship game because I said we have the two best teams in the NFC, in the 49ers and in the Eagles. We're going to get an opportunity to see how good this Philadelphia Eagles football team really is. Because the 49ers, to me, had already proven themselves. Over the last few years, the 49ers have been one of the best teams in the NFC. The Eagles have not proven themselves quite yet. And I thought with the 49ers losing their quarterbacks, it, it pretty much took the, 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 the significance from the game. Because we knew once Brock Purdy got injured, the 49ers had no chance at being able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And then when, when they got to the Super Bowl, Mahomes was playing on a bum ankle. Eagles defense, who was ranked top five in a lot of major categories throughout the season, they couldn't get to Mahomes one time. They didn't have one sack against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be good. I think they're going to be a playoff team, but I'm not so sure they're going to duplicate the success in 2023 compared to what they had in 2022. So I think they're going to finish around 12 and 5. They won't be 14 and 3 this season. I got them finishing 12 and 5. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the World Wide Sports Network. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember the Wise Guys question of the day: Who is the greatest NBA point guard of all time? Is it Steph? Is it Magic? Or do you have someone else who you believe? It is the greatest NBA point guard of all time. That is the wise guy's question of the day. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on in the show. The number to dial is 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. So call in to the show. Give me your vote on who do you believe is the greatest point guard of all time. Call into the show. It's definitely something that Everybody's been talking about because Steph Curry has some comments. So I'm going to get into that a little bit later on in the show as well. Let's transition and let's go to Green Bay and let's talk about Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers as the Green Bay Packers concluded their NFL preseason. Jordan Love went 9 of 15, 63 passing yards, one touchdown. And Jordan Love said after the game, he said, quote, I am definitely ready for week one. So when it comes to Jordan Love and how I feel about his performance so far in the preseason, I've been impressed with Jordan Love so far in the preseason. Look at what he's been able to do so far in the preseason. Jordan Love, three touchdowns. Zero interceptions, zero interceptions, a 110 passer rating for Jordan Love. That's the fifth best of any quarterback this preseason. I've been impressed with Jordan Love so far in the preseason. And I, I thought in the matchup against the Seahawks, Jordan Love did a great job because everything wasn't ideal for Jordan Love in that game against the, the Seahawks. That's, the Seahawks played some of their starters. And remember in the week one preseason action against the Bengals, the Bengals didn't play any of their starters. And against the Patriots, they played some of their starters in the week two preseason matchup. But I thought that in the week three matchup against the Seahawks, I thought he did a tremendous job going through his reads. The Seahawks were able to get pressure on Jordan Love. There were a few times where he escaped and was able to get out on the perimeter and throw the football down the field and make some plays with his legs as well. I thought in the first two preseason games against the Bengals and the Patriots, I, I thought he was able to get kind of like a clean pocket. And in this matchup against the Seahawks, the pocket wasn't so clean and he still was able to make some plays. So that's one of the, the things that I thought that Jordan Love did well in week three of the preseason. But, with all that being said, as great as I believe Jordan Love played in the preseason, I have to also inform Jordan Love that we have high, high expectations at the quarterback position because there has been a standard in Green Bay for the last 30 years that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers both have set at the quarterback position. And as Packer fans, 
and that's I can speak for Packer Nation. I can say this: we don't need Jordan Love to be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but we need Jordan Love to not lose us football games. We don't necessarily need him to win us games the way that Brett Favre won us games, the way that Aaron Rodgers won us games, but we damn sure can't afford for Jordan Love to lose us football games because when you look at the Packers roster, the Packers have one of the best rosters in the NFL top to bottom. At running back, you got Aaron Jones, you got A.J. Dillon, arguably the best running back duo in the NFL. Their receiving core is one of the young receiving cores in the NFL, but they got a lot of talent in that receiving room. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jalen Reed, Malik Heath, and they drafted two tight ends, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. His offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Josh Myers, David Batiari, hopefully he can be healthy this season. Elton Jenkins, John Runyon. So he has one of the best units offensively in the NFL. And then defensively, they got a lot of talent on this Packers defense. Up front, you still got Kenny Clark. You still got Preston Smith. Devontae Wyatt from Georgia a few years ago. I like him up front as well. And that linebacker. I love the dynamic duo with Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. You're going to get back Rashad Gary as well. And in the secondary, you still got all-pro cornerback Jair Alexander. They're going to get back Stokes at some point this season. You still got Rasul Douglas. So, roster, top to bottom, the Packers have one of the best rosters in the NFC. And you have a proven head coach in Matt LaFleur who's proven that he can at least get the Packers to NFC Championship games. And I'm going to get to him here in a bit. I think he's proven, but I still think he has a lot to prove as well. I'm going to talk about Matt LaFleur here shortly. But as far as structure, Jordan Love has everything in place for him to be successful this year. Everything in place. From a, from a roster perspective and a head coaching perspective as well. And as an organization, there's no other organization in the NFL as good as the Packers at being able to develop quarterbacks. 30 years the Packers have had elite quarterback play. And Jordan Love doesn't have to be elite. He doesn't have to win the Packers games, but he can't be the reason why the Packers lose games this season. And also, I look at the Packers' schedule this year. The Packers, to me, they have to have a bye in week six. But their first five games are all winnable games. Week one, they're in Chicago. That's a winnable game. Week two, they go to Atlanta and play the Atlanta Falcons. I don't have high expectations for the Falcons this year. That's a winnable game. Week three, they are home in their home opener against Derek Carr and the Saints. I like the Saints defense, but Derek Carr still has a lot to prove. And week four, they're home against the Lions. That's a Thursday night game. And week five in Las Vegas against Jimmy G and the Raiders on Monday Night Football. I can see the Packers going four and one at worst, maybe even three and two in their first five games. 
Because I think the hardest team in, their, in that first five, first, first five games are, is the Saints. That's the hardest team they're going up against. Everyone's high on the Lions. I still got my questions about the Lions. I don't believe in Jimmy G. Okay. Justin Fields, he's 5-20 and 20 in his last 25 starts. So he still has a lot to prove. And the Falcons are not expected to be very good. So I think the Packers, before they head into their bye in week six, they could easily be 4-1. Packers could be 4-1 as they head into the week six bye. So I, I, I really feel like the schedule is favorable for Jordan Love at the beginning of the season. Now you look at, this is according to ESPN, Analytics, the Packers have a 28% chance to make the playoffs. And I, and I know everyone's going to say, oh, you a Packers fan. You, 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 you're being biased. Look at the NFC North. Tell me the juggernaut in the NFC North, please. Tell me. Jared Goff in the Lions, they're going to be good, but they're not a juggernaut. Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings, they'll be all right. Defensively, they were awful last year. They were awful last year. They lost Dalvin Cook. And Adam Thielen. So Kirk Cousins is going to have to rely on Justin Jefferson a lot more this year. And you know he's going to be double covered. He's going to be have multiple defenders trying to guard him. And then you got the Bears. The Bears are the Bears. They, it's, it's the Bears. So I think the Packers could easily, easily compete in the NFC North this year and possibly win the division. It's going to come down to Jordan Love. It's going to come down to Jordan Love. Now, real quick, just to give you some history on Jordan Love. Jordan Love starting at Utah State. Jordan Love had 60 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, 8,600 passing yards, completing 61% of his passes. And remember he had that one start a few years ago when Aaron Rodgers had COVID against the Chiefs. This was in 2021. He went 19 of 34, only 190 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Didn't play very well. But remember last year against the Philadelphia Eagles, Aaron Rodgers gets injured. Jordan Love comes in the game and throws a dart to Christian Watson. Touchdown Packers. And went 6 of 9 in that game, 113 passing yards. So we've seen flashes of Jordan Love and his ability to be able to play the quarterback position. Again, we don't need Jordan Love to be Aaron Rodgers. We don't need Jordan Love to be Brett Favre. We need Jordan Love to be Jordan Love and be good, not necessarily great, because this Packers roster, top to bottom, is one of the best rosters. Matt LaFleur has to coach. The last few years, he's had the ability to rely on Aaron Rodgers to bail him out. Now, Matt LaFleur, you got to coach. Now. Jordan Love is going to have to produce in this offense. Matt LaFleur had the luxury of being able to rely on Aaron Rodgers' greatness the last few years. So now Matt LaFleur has to coach, and he has to develop Jordan Love. And Brian Gutekus, the general manager for the Packers, also needs Jordan Love to be good. They, 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 they have to see the production from Jordan Love Otherwise, this Packers fan base in the next two to three years could be frustrated considering they allowed Aaron Rodgers to walk out the door to New York 
and they completely shattered their relationship with Aaron Rodgers once they moved up in the draft to select Jordan Love. Brian Gutekus, Matt LaFleur, and the Packers organization, they need Jordan Love to be good. They, they, they ha he has to be at least good. He cannot be a bust. Or the Packers could be in trouble for future seasons to come. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These Guys Know Sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember the Wise Guys question of the day. Who do you believe is the greatest point guard in NBA history? Is it Steph? Is it Magic? Or is it someone else? Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Question of the day. Who do you believe is the greatest NBA point guard of all time? Let's transition and let's go to Dallas. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys as over the weekend, the San Francisco 49ers, they traded Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth round pick, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Remember, Trey Lance was the third overall pick in 2021. He went two and two as a starter with the 49ers. So the Cowboys trading for Trey Lance. I got two sides that I'm looking at. I'm looking at the 49ers and I look at the Cowboys. I want to start off with the Cowboys side of things with this trade. To me, the Dallas Cowboys trading for Trey Lance means that the clock is ticking on Dak Prescott. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys and you look at their roster from top to bottom, the Dallas Cowboys have a top five roster in the NFL. At running back, they got Tony Pollard. At receiver, you got CeeDee Lamb. You got Brandon Cooks. They traded for Brandon Cooks earlier in the offseason. You got Michael Gallup as well. At tight end, you got Jake Ferguson. Okay, and up front, they still got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They got Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Zach Martin is back in the mix. He restructured his new contract with the Cowboys earlier in the offseason. And defensively, you got one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Micah Parsons. You still got Demarcus Lawrence. Okay. In that secondary, they traded for Stephon Gilmore earlier this offseason. And you still got Trayvon Diggs. So top to bottom. The Dallas Cowboys have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And they got Mike McCarthy. Now, I don't believe that Mike McCarthy is on the level of an Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick or, you know, like, like there's coaches that would take over Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's an elite coach. I think he's a good coach at best. He won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, also had Brett Favre at one point when he was the coach in Green Bay. But 
Mike McCarthy is not an elite coach, but he's a good enough coach to where he can get you deep into the playoffs. So the one question that Cowboy Nation has is their quarterback. It's Dak Prescott. We know Dak Prescott can play. We know Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a top 10 fringe quarterback in the NFL. You look at what he's been able to do for his career. This is in the regular season. Dak Prescott has 166 touchdowns, 65 interceptions, 3,000. I'm sorry, 24,943 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. So in a regular season, he's a top 10 quarterback. Here's the problem. Postseason is where Dak Prescott struggles. Dak Prescott, he has a career record of 2-4 and four in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, he has 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 1,559 passing yards, completing 63% of his passes. And I thought last year in that playoff game against the 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys defensively played well. I thought overall, as a football team, the Dallas Cowboys played well enough to beat the 49ers in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs last year. Why were the Cowboys not able to get over the hump? and finally reach in an NFC Championship game, something they haven't done since the 90s, because Dak Prescott is their quarterback. So for me, I feel like this move for the, from the 49ers, trading for Trey Lance, is Jerry Jones, this is his way of letting Dak Prescott know, not necessarily directly, but indirectly, hey, the time ticking, on you being our franchise quarterback. I think Dak Prescott has the next two years to prove that he's the future quarterback for future seasons to come for the Dallas Cowboys. Otherwise, they could transition to Trey Lance. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Now, when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers, I believe that this was a debacle by the San Francisco 49ers. Head coach Cal Shanahan, general manager John Lynch, both should be held responsible for trading away Trey Lance. But I believe this could be a mistake by the Dallas Cowboys. And let me explain why. I know last year Brock Purdy went 7-1. The only loss he had was when he got injured in the NFC Championship game to the Philadelphia Eagles. And last year, Brock Purdy played well. 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,374 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes. Brock Purdy played well last year. He played well. But he had wrist surgery during the, during the offseason. And I'm not so sure that Brock Purdy has proven enough for the 49ers to believe that he's the future franchise quarterback moving forward. He hasn't proven enough for me. I need to see more. Again, in his eight starts last year, he played well. But I have to see more. And remember last year, going into the season, the 49ers 
They had Trey Lance as their starter. Remember, he got drafted as the last overall pick in the draft. So the 49ers had no intentions of even playing Brock Purdy until Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo both got injured. Remember, Trey Lance got injured, and he was out for the season. They transitioned to Jimmy G. Jimmy G, right on schedule, he gets injured, so they had no choice but to transition to Brock Purdy. And again, in his eight starts, he played well. But I don't feel like he necessarily played great or enough to where they feel secure about moving on from Trey Lance. And then they end up bringing in Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was horrible in New York. Sam Darnold has not proven himself. Sam Darnold for his career, 61 touchdowns, 55 interceptions. 11,767 passing yards, completing 60% of his passes for his career. But his career record as a starter is 21 and 34. Sam Darnold wasn't very good in Carolina or New York for that matter. So you give up on Trey Lance and you're selling 49er fans on this idea that your franchise quarterback. Is Brock Purdy, who's unproven, and Sam Darnold, who's already proven to us that he's not very good. I, that makes no sense to me. Like, I, I don't understand what the 49ers are doing here. I feel like they gave up on Trey Lance prematurely. And if Trey Lance gets an opportunity to play in Dallas and performs at a high level, the 49ers overall as a team, could be regretting moving off with Trey Lance so soon. I think they this was, a, this was a mistake all the way around. And then you look at what the 49ers gave up to get Trey Lance, right? They got Trey Lance in the 2021 draft, but they traded with the Miami Dolphins, right? The Miami Dolphins got back the number 12 pick in 2021, a first and third round pick in 2022, and a first-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And they used those first-round picks and deals for Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. So when you look at what the 49ers gave up to acquire Trey Lance, it's a mistake by this 49ers organization. And the only reason why we're not holding Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch more accountable, it's because they have equity with this organization. We've seen Kyle Shanahan get the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He's been a contender in the NFC the last six years. And John Lynch has been a very, very great general manager from the standpoint of being able to put a team together that can compete in the NFC West and compete overall in the NFC. The 49ers have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Their roster is in that same conversation with the Philadelphia Eagles and with the Dallas Cowboys. So they got equity built up in this franchise. Otherwise, the way that they handled this Trey Lance situation is something that usually head coaches and general managers get fired over. We've seen it happen year after year after year. Plenty of head coaches 
and general managers have gotten fired for how they have handled a certain player who they move up in the draft to get, and it's a failure. But they got equity. But I, I, I just think that for them to put all of their eggs into that Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold basket is a mistake. And I think this was a, a decision that was premature. They should have been a little bit more patient with Trey Lance. You got look when you look at Trey Lance and what his what he's been able to do, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's 6'4 in college. He played at North Dakota State. And in college, 30 touchdowns, only one interception, 2,947 yards, completing 65% of his passes. But he didn't have much experience. He didn't have much experience. In 2018, two games. In 2019, he played in 16 games. But in 2020, he only played in one game. So he doesn't have much experience. And so I feel like the 49ers gave up on him prematurely. And it could be a mistake. We'll find out as time goes along. Anyway, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to the Wise or Lies segment of the day. These are all quick hitter topics. After a long-spanning planned exit from the Portland Trailblazers, superstar point guard Damian Lillard is clear about his priorities as he reaches the end of his prime. This is Damian Lillard, quote, the desire to win a championship now is as high as it's probably going to be, Damian Lillard told Mark J. Spears. So is it wise or lies to say Damian Lillard will at some point be traded out of Portland? That is wise. I think at some point, Damian Lillard will be traded out of Portland and I think he's going to go to the Miami Heat at some point. It's NBA stars always win when they have these feuds with their organization, when the organization doesn't trade to a particular star. We look at the Portland Trailblazers. They drafted Scoop Henderson, so they're going to build their team around Scoop moving forward. They still got Anthony Simons. They still got Shaden Sharp. So the way that this Portland Trailblazers basketball team is built, they have pieces to build around once Damian Lillard departs from Portland. And they got a lot of young guards, Shaden Sharp, Scoop Henderson, Anthony Simons, to name a few. So, yes, I believe at some point Damian Lillard will be traded out of Portland. It's just whether or not the Miami Heat is going to be able to put together the type of trade package that the Portland Trailblazers will accept for Damian Lillard. As expected, C.J. Stroud will be under center for the Houston Texans in week one. This is C.J. Stroud. He says, quote, it was something I worked for and earned. It's a blessing, Stroud said Sunday, according to Aaron Wilson of KPRC. So is it wise or lies to say the Texans can build their franchise around C.J. Stroud? I think that is wise. But I'm also hesitant. I'm going to say this. I'm split. I'm split. I'm split. I said wise, but I'm split. I'm split with lies and lies because the reason why I say lies partially is because we have never seen 
uh, Ohio State Buckeye quarterback succeed in the NFL. It has never happened. I'm rooting for the young brother. I'm rooting for him. I like D'Amico Ryans, his head coach. I love the fact that D'Amico Ryans got an opportunity to coach the Houston Texans. He's African-American. So I always support my black head coaches in the NFL. So I'm rooting for D'Amico Ryans. But CJ Stroud, I don't know. Because I haven't seen an Ohio State quarterback succeed at the NFL level. This is CJ Stroud at Ohio State. 85 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 8,123 passing yards. He completed 69% of his passes. I thought he was good at Ohio State. And I thought CJ Stroud elevated his game in big games for the Buckeyes. But to say that he is the franchise quarterback that the Texans should build around, I don't know. I have to see him in action in his rookie season. I, I look at their other quarterbacks that they have on their roster. David Mills, give me a break. I'm taking C.J. Stroud over David Mills. So when you look at their roster and other players that they currently have, C.J. Stroud is the answer, but we have to see how he performs. Chicago Bulls point guard. Lonzo Ball is confident that he'll see the NBA once again and see NBA action soon. This is Lonzo Ball quote, I'm going to play again, Ball said Saturday at Invest Fest in Atlanta, according to NBC Sports Chicago's Casey Johnson. So is it wise or last to say Lonzo Ball can still be a key contributor in the NBA? I think that is wise. You look at Lonzo Ball for his career. He averages 12 points per game. But he's a tremendous, tremendous playmaker. I still think Lonzo Ball can play in the NBA. He's still young. He's not. He's, he's still young. He, he's, he's not old. Lonzo Ball is 25 years old. So I still, still think Lonzo Ball can still be a key contributor in the NBA. And because he's not an elite scorer and he's a playmaker, I definitely think Lonzo Ball can still play in the NBA and produce. Lonzo Ball reminds me of Rajon Rondo and his playmaking ability. So I still think Lonzo Ball, once he gets healthy, can still be a key contributor on an NBA team. The Las Vegas Raiders and Josh Jacobs agreed to terms on a new deal Saturday, the team announced. The one-year contract is worth up to $12 million, sources told Tom Palacero and Iron Rappaport of NFL Network. So is it wise or lies to say that Jacobs is a key component to the Raiders' success this upcoming season, I think that is wise. You look at Josh Jacobs and what he's been able to do so far since he's been in the NFL. 4,740 rushing yards, 40 touchdowns on the ground, 1,072 rushing attempts. You got Jimmy G as your quarterback. Jimmy G is not elite. So Jimmy G needs a running back who can produce for him to be successful. I love Devontae Adams. He's still one of the best receivers. But Jimmy G is not a quarterback who you can rely on to carry you throughout the season. So you need Josh Jacobs in the mix to take some pressure off of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think it is wise to say that Josh Jacobs is a key component to the Raiders' success this upcoming season. All right, go up follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at the Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody, I'm going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. 
it's been a great show so far. Tuesday, August the 29th. And real quick, before I get into my next topic in the wise guys question of the day, I got to give a shout out to my pops. Happy birthday, dad. My dad's birthday is today, August 29th. So I had to give a shout out to my dad because I know he's going to be watching or he's going to be watching later on when I send him some of the videos from today's show. So got to give a shout out to my dad. Man, I, I think we always show love and appreciation for mothers. And it, it, we always talk about mothers on Mother's Day. And even when you go to restaurants, it's packed on Mother's Day. Father's Day, not so much. I'm one of those lucky individuals who had an opportunity to have a relationship with my dad. So happy birthday, Pops. Let's transition. It's been talked about for the last week or so. Who is the best point guard of all time? Steph Curry believes that he is the best point guard ever. This Steph Curry said on the Gilbert Arenas podcast that he believes that he is the greatest NBA point guard of all time. So this has been a debate over the last week, week and a half. And so wise guys question of the day was who is the greatest point guard of all time? Is it Steph? Is it magic? Or is it someone else? Give me your vote on the live stream. Let me know who you believe. So when it comes to who is the greatest point guard first and foremost i want to give steph curry and magic johnson both their flowers because they both are the best at a specific element of the game of all time period magic johnson is the greatest passer in nba history magic johnson his playmaking ability is something that we have never ever seen and i'm not so sure we're ever going to be able to see it moving forward magic johnson is the greatest passer in nba history for his career magic johnson he averaged seven assists per game magic johnson was a tremendous passer of the basketball some people feel like lebron is also a great passer i think lebron's a great passer but i believe magic johnson is an even better passer than LeBron is. So I would say LeBron James is second when it comes to passing the basketball, when it comes to all-time greats. I got to put Magic over LeBron. Magic Johnson was a tremendous passer of the basketball. And your number one job as a point guard is to pass the basketball. Put your teammates in positions to be successful and score the basketball at a high level. And Magic Johnson did that better than anyone else in NBA history. The greatest shooter in NBA history is none other than Steph Curry. He is the greatest shooter that God has ever created. Steph Curry, for his career, he averages and shoots 43% from three-point range. 43% from three-point range. This is Steph Curry that we're talking about. This is what he averages. There are some players in NBA history who has never shot 43% from three-point range at one, one time in their career. They never shot 43%, not one season. Steph Curry shoots 43% from three-point range for his career. He is the greatest shooter in NBA history. His movement without the basketball is like none other. Like none other, Steph Curry, his ability to move without the basketball and be able to hit perimeter shots change the game of basketball. Because you have to extend your defense when you're going up against Steph. 
You have to meet Steph at half court because Steph Curry can pull up from 30. And as soon as he crosses half court, he's a threat. So his impact is like none other. Now, when it comes to Steph and Magic, Steph played 14 seasons in the NBA. Magic played 13 seasons. Magic has the advantage over Steph in some major categories. Magic has five more first-team All-NBA selections than Steph. Magic has finished top three in the MVP voting six more times than Steph. Magic has one more MVP than Steph has. Magic has three more finals appearances on his resume than Steph has. And Magic has one more NBA championship than Steph. Steph got four. Magic got five. Magic has three NBA Finals MVPs. Steph has one NBA Finals MVP. And, you, and it's crazy because Kevin Durant went to Golden State and the two years where Steph could have won Finals MVP when the Warriors were in the Finals, Kevin Durant took home the NBA Finals MVP honors those seasons. So when you look at the, those career comparisons and those accolades, Magic has the advantage over Steph. But I think this is a conversation for a preference. I don't think nobody's wrong when it comes to who you select as your greatest point guard in NBA history. If you're 35 and younger, you may say Steph. If you're 35 or older, you may say Magic. But for me and my preference, I am choosing Steph Curry as the greatest point guard in NBA history. With all due respect to the great, and I do mean great, Magic Johnson, I believe that Steph Curry is the greatest point guard in NBA history, and I prefer the scoring over the playmaking ability. That's just me. That's what I prefer. Because I believe that with his shooting ability, Steph Curry is in a league of his own. But I also have other reasons why I believe that Steph is the greatest point guard of all time. When I look at Magic and Steph's careers, I feel like the Lakers were the Lakers even before Magic got to L.A. And I look at the, the teams that they played with, right? Magic had an opportunity to play with James Worthy and Kareem, two players who were top five draft picks. Steph Curry played with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. And Draymond Green, although he's going to the Hall of Fame, he's going to the Hall of Fame because he was on a winning franchise and on a winning team and won multiple championships. Draymond Green is not going to the Hall of Fame because of his individual talent. And the Warriors do not become a dynasty without Draymond Green. But Draymond Green is not, from a talent perspective, on the same level as other NBA Hall of Fame players. And Klay Thompson was not a top five draft pick. Klay Thompson got better once he got into the NBA and he became a sharpshooter. But Klay Thompson wasn't selected in the top five of the NBA draft the same way James Worthy and Kareem were selected. So I believe that Magic Johnson had more talent around him than what Steph had around him. Now, Steph Curry did get an opportunity to play with Kevin Durant for a few years, but 
to me, Kevin Durant is is the the other star Hall of Fame player he got a chance to play with. Like you look at Magic and his teammates, he played with Kareem, he played with James Worthy. Steph, his Hall of Fame teammate would be Kevin Durant, number one. To me, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, they're probably going to make the Hall of Fame, but they're not, from a talent perspective, on the same level as a James Worthy and a Magic Johnson. Also, I look at, two, another thing, impact. It's easier to be Steph Curry than it is to be Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was 6'9", and Steph Curry is smaller, but Steph Curry is a shooter, and he's not athletic. He's not like when you look at Steph Curry, Steph Curry is not the most athletic point guard. That would be Russell Westbrook. That would also be Derrick Rose. Steph Curry is not an athlete the way that Derrick Rose or Russell Westbrook is. He's more of a shooter. And I believe that if you are a young player in high school or in college, it's easier to be a Steph Curry than it is to be a Magic Johnson because you can't teach 6'9". But you can get better as the time goes along and become a great shooter. Steph Curry worked at his craft. And remember when Steph first came into the NBA, Steph Curry wasn't a great player. Steph Curry, in his first few years of his career, was not great. I remember at one point in Golden State, it was all about Monte Ellis. Steph Curry, it took some time for him to develop. But I think that his impact is significant. And I'm not downplaying Magic's impact. We know Magic, he ran the Showtime Lakers. Byron Scott was on those Laker teams as well with James Worthy and Kareem. And th th those, those Laker teams had a lot of pieces. And they were a talented basketball team. The Warriors have a lot of key contributors. And they have talent, but not on the same level as those Lakers teams. It's easier for young players in high school and college to be Steph more so than Magic. So that I feel like that, get, that gives Steph an advantage when it comes to impact. But Magic Johnson is also an all-time great player, and he's easily a top five Laker of all time. And that's saying a lot because there were a lot of greats in that Lakers franchise. Shaq, Kobe, God rest his soul, Kareem, Worthy, the list goes on and on and on with the all-time great Lakers players. And Magic Johnson is easily a top five Laker of all time, maybe top three, to be honest. Because I, I think Kobe Bryant is the greatest Laker of all time. But I do think Magic, you can make a legitimate argument that Magic is second. Again, if you're 35 and younger, in this debate, you'll probably say Steph is the greatest point guard of all time. If you're 35 and older, you'll probably say Magic is the greatest point guard of all time. But my preference is scoring. I love an individual player that's an NBA player, their ability to put the ball in the basket. And that's another thing, too. You can make an argument that Steph is not really a point guard, really a two guard, a shooting guard. But he's labeled a point guard, and that's the reason why we ha we're having this conversation. But, again, I think it's a great debate, great conversation. People are talking about you really can't debate. Why? Debate it. It's a great, it's a fun topic. It's all about your preference. All about your preference. But with respect to Magic and Steph, they both are the greatest at a certain element of the game. Magic is the greatest passer of all time, and Steph is the greatest shooter of all time.
And it's not close. It's not close. And it's not close for Magic either when it comes to passing of all time. Everybody go up all the wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go up all the wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show you follow wise guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Let's transition. Let's go to Cleveland. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. So Deshaun Watson is expected to start all 17 games this year for the Cleveland Browns. And Browns fans in the NFL overall, analysts, everyone's talking about whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to be able to get back to his 2020 form. You look at what Deshaun Watson did in 2020. The year 2020, Deshaun Watson had 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 4,823 passing yards. His passing yards and his completion percentage were both top five in the NFL. He completed 70% of his passes in 2020. And his touchdown interception ratio, when it comes to NFL rank, was tied for third. So, when you ask the question whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to get back to his 2020 form, the answer better damn sure be yes. Because Deshaun Watson signed a five year $230 million extension that's fully guaranteed. And during the offseason, and so far, even in the preseason, we've heard about the established quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, like Joe Burrow, like Josh Allen, up and coming on the rise quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, like Jalen Hurts, like Trevor Lawrence. We've talked about the veteran quarterbacks, things that they're trying to accomplish, like Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson. But the person that we have not talked about enough, who has high expectations as we head into the 2023 season, is Deshaun Watson. And the reason why we haven't talked about Deshaun Watson is because we haven't seen much from Deshaun Watson over the last two years. Last year, he didn't play in many games. He came back at the end of the season. He didn't look good last year. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions, over 1,100 yards. Deshaun Watson didn't look good last year. And in the year prior, he didn't play at all because of the allegations from the massages that he was receiving in Houston. So Deshaun Watson, I expect him to get back to his 2020 form, and Browns Nation should also expect Deshaun Watson to get back to his 2020 form as a quarterback and be one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And by the way, when I just talked about my established quarterbacks, I left someone out. Lamar Jackson is established as well. So the Lamar Jackson deserves to be in that conversation with the Joe Burrows of the world, with the Josh Allens of the world, and the Patrick Mahomes of the world as well. So you got to keep Lamar in that conversation. He deserves to be. I feel like Deshaun Watson also should be in that conversation because when you look at his contract, every season and every year when quarterbacks get new deals, 
We compare it to Deshaun Watson because the Cleveland Browns essentially gave Deshaun Watson all of this guaranteed money because they wanted him to come to Cleveland. They realized that, hey, in order for us to compete in the AFC, we need an elite quarterback to do so. We need a Deshaun Watson to compete with the Patrick Mahomes, with the Josh Allens, and with the Joe Burrows. So that's the reason why the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson all of that guaranteed money. But Deshaun Watson hasn't been the same quarterback since 2020. He missed the 2021 season. And again, last year, in those few games that he played, he didn't play great. But I remember at one point, this is something that I said, Deshaun Watson would have similar success or similar accomplishments if he had in Houston what Patrick Mahomes has in Kansas City. Because I looked at the structure that the Houston Texans organization had in place, and it wasn't very good. And I compared it to the structure that Patrick Mahomes has in Kansas City, and I thought that was way better than what Watson was dealing with in Houston. Bill O'Brien was in over his head. Andy Reid was way better coached than Bill O'Brien could ever be. And the only weapon that Deshaun Watson could rely on was D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, when he was in Houston. Patrick Mahomes had Tyreek Hill. He had Travis Kelsey. He had Hartman as well. And I thought that Mahomes was in a better situation. And so in 2020, I said that Deshaun Watson was on the level of a Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, time has went by. We haven't seen Deshaun Watson play over the last three, like two years that much. We haven't seen much from Deshaun Watson. But I believe that this Cleveland Browns team overall could be a sleeper in the NFC North and in the AFC overall. But they need Deshaun Watson to elevate his game and get back to playing MVP caliber football. For his career, Deshaun Watson has a 111 touchdowns, 41 interceptions, 15,641 passing yards, and he's completed 67% of his passes. And I thought he was a winner. Clemson won a national championship game, could have won back-to-back championships for the Clemson Tigers. I've been a big fan of Deshaun Watson as a player on the football field since he started at the collegiate level under Dabo Sweeney. And even when he got to the NFL, I thought that Deshaun Watson played at a very, very high level. Now, the only thing I would say about Deshaun is, too, performance-wise, the last time we did see Deshaun Watson in a meaningful playoff game, remember that year when the Chiefs were losing to the Texans? I believe Deshaun Watson was up 24 on Patrick Mahomes in the, I can't remember exactly which round it was in the playoffs, but the Texans were in Kansas City. Deshaun Watson had a 24-0 lead over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and Mahomes scored like 42 straight points. Deshaun Watson didn't score a single point after going up 24-0 over the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. That was the last time we saw Deshaun Watson in a meaningful playoff game. So, yes, I am confident that Deshaun Watson will get back to his 2020 form. But the last time I saw Deshaun Watson in a playoff matchup, Patrick Mahomes hung 42 straight points on him, and Deshaun Watson didn't do anything about it. He didn't do anything about it in the second half of that playoff game. And again, he didn't really look good last year. But I look at the 
Browns offensively. You still got Nick Chubb in the backfield. Nick Chubb was a top five running back in the NFL. You still got Elijah Moore. They traded for him earlier in the offseason. You got Amari Cooper, okay, who's a, a reliable number one option. At tight end, you got David Njuku as well. So they, they got some weapons for Watson to distribute the football to. I look at the AFC North. There's no reason why Deshaun Watson's name should not be in the same conversation as Lamar Jackson, as Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like Justin Herbert. Deshaun Watson has proven more than Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and even Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts led the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year, and that was his best season of his career. But Jalen Hurts had one great season. Deshaun Watson had multiple great seasons before the massage scandal that took place. So I believe in Deshaun Watson, and I think Deshaun Watson is going to elevate his game and be in that elite conversation with the other elite quarterbacks in the AFC. In the NFC, I just talked about Jalen Hurts. I think Deshaun Watson, at best, is better than even Dak Prescott. He's better than Dak Prescott. So Watson will get back to his 2024. And the Browns are a sleeper in the AFC to me. They really, really are. Everyone's talking about in the AFC East. They're talking about the Jets. They're talking about the Bills. They're talking about the Dolphins. Obviously, in the AFC West, the Chiefs are the elite cream of the crop in the AFC West. Chargers are in the mix as well. And in the AFC South, it's all about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cleveland Browns deserve to be in that conversation. And considering what the Browns are paying Deshaun Watson, they're paying him to be elite, not to be average. So I expect the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson to have a pretty good season. I'm going to talk about my NFL predictions on the next show. But yes, I expect Deshaun Watson to get back to his 2020. Follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Wise Guys. These Guys Know Sports here live on the World Wide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some NBA, and let's finish up with Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis has some comments on his future in Milwaukee. This is Giannis. He said, quote, I would not be the best version of myself if I don't know what everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. And if I don't feel that, I'm not signing. This was Giannis on his future on the Milwaukee Bucks. So my reaction to Giannis' comments is I believe Giannis has the right approach here. I don't think Giannis should be in a rush to sign an extension in Milwaukee. I think about the Easter Conference and the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, in the offseason, the Milwaukee Bucks, they fired Mike Budenholzer. They brought in Adrian Griffin as their new head coach. So I'm excited to see about that dynamic with Griffin and Giannis, their head coaching star player relationship. But in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks are in the same conversation as the Boston Celtics as a team that could represent the East in the NBA Finals next year. 
obviously the Milwaukee Bucks still got Giannis. They still got Chris Middleton. They got Drew Holiday. And they got Lopez as well as their rim protector. We know that the Milwaukee Bucks will be a top contender in the East next year. But when it comes to future seasons down the road, I don't think Giannis should, should be hesitant to sign that extension that the Milwaukee Bucks are offering him. Because when you look at the rest of the NBA, and I know Giannis is feeling like this as well, Giannis is looking at what the Phoenix Suns are doing with Devin Booker, with Kevin Durant, with Bradley Beal. He's looking at what the Denver Nuggets just were able to do with Jamal Murray, with Nikola Jokic. He's looking at the Lakers, who got LeBron James still in the mix. They still got Anthony Davis for the next few years, who they just signed to a recent contract extension. And so Giannis is looking at the market in the NBA and looking at the playing field and, and probably realizing, and he, look at the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics re-signed Jalen Brown earlier in the offseason. They're going to re-sign Jason Tatum next year in the offseason. So they're still going to be back in the East co competing for a championship. I think Giannis is looking at the landscape of the NBA and he's looking at these other star players who have stars around them. Tatum has Jalen Brown. LeBron has Anthony Davis. Nikola Jokic has Jamal Murray. Kevin Durant got Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. So I think Giannis is right on the mark here. And he's looking at the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's a wait and see approach. A wait and see. These comments by Giannis is literally a wait and see approach. He wants to see if this organization is as dedicated as he is to being in that championship conversation for future seasons to come. The Bucks won a championship a few years ago, and Giannis doesn't want to be complacent. He doesn't want this Milwaukee Bucks organization to be complacent and, and rest on that championship that they won a few years ago. Giannis is, is, has elevated himself to being an all-time great. And all-time greats, they are measured by how many chips they win. One championship is not going to be enough to satisfy Giannis as he moves forward in his career. And he's already delivered for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's delivered a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks organization and franchise in that city. So Giannis owes the Bucks nothing. He doesn't owe the Bucks anything. So Giannis could leave here in the next year or two. He could go to the New York Knicks. He could go to the San Antonio Spurs, who are going to have a lot of cap space. What if Giannis ends up in Golden State alongside Steph Curry? Could you imagine Steph and Giannis on the same team? That would be a perfect, perfect fit. Giannis and Steph on the same team would be dynamic. They would be unstoppable. I think Giannis has the right approach here, and his comments tell me that he has a wait-and-see approach with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's being patient and not in a rush to sign that extension that they want him to sign. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Great, great show on this Tuesday, August the 29th, on this afternoon drive home. Everybody enjoy your Tuesday night. Happy Taco Tuesday. Happy birthday, Dad. Again, I'm Trey Larkin signing off the Wise Guys Sports Network. Have a great evening, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio.